had condemned the Peace Corps as a tool of American imperialism. Rather than change its verdict, the current regime simply changed the program. Officially, the recruiter said, you'll be called a U.S.-China Friendship Volunteer. He paused, and through the phone line, I heard the rustle of papers. I don't know how to say it in Chinese. I couldn't speak the language either, of course. I didn't even know how it sounded. Not only was I wrong about fortune cookies, they're from California by way of Japan. I couldn't even use chopsticks. But this was it. Peace Corps' take-it-or-leave-it final offer. China. I was flat broke. Except for a calico named Barky that could not meow, I was single. I drove a failing black Crown Victoria that my students often mistook for a narcmobile, scattering like pins when I bowled into the school lot. I liked them. I had the patience, thick skin, and sense of humor for the job, and believed the best way to empower kids was to teach them to read and write at grade level by year's end. The veteran teacher smirked at my rookie enthusiasm and shoulder-length hair, but praised my knack at reaching troubled teens. Nevertheless, to earn my certification, I was paying full tuition to teach full-time for free and had no job prospects. The Internet was nascent and smartphones were a dream. I fed myself working graveyard shifts as a relay operator between deaf and hearing callers and by writing reviews for the two city newspapers of cassettes mailed by record labels promoting new bands such as Radiohead, Green Day, and Oasis. In two weeks, I was turning 23. In a month, I would graduate. What then? Slink back, unemployed, to my parents in Minnesota? Or hang up the phone, drive that Saturday to the Madison Airport, meet the FedEx envelope from D.C., sign the federal forms and waivers, and do as the voice commands. China. It's not Club Med. It's your life. You don't get to choose. Six weeks later, I handed the grim border agent the tissue-thin form that asked arriving passengers if they had mental confusion or psychosis, manic, paranoid, or hallucinatory. A connecting flight landed in China's southwest, where I would be posted as an English instructor at a teacher training institute located on a dead-end dirt road at the bend of a polluted river whose name, Tuo, sounded like the spitting that scored Sichuan streets. The province was 1,000 miles from Beijing, but really a world away in terms of development and engagement with the West. Yet some things felt familiar, if incongruous. In Chengdu, the provincial capital where I would go through two months of pre-service training, the bleached pate of the city square's Mao statue glowed from neon billboards at his back, telling us, persist in reform and open policy, and also to drink Pabst Blue Ribbon. The beer originated in Wisconsin, the state I had just put 7,000 miles behind me. The local brew, Blue Sword, 
used the same colors on its label, and tasted just as flat, but came in 20-ounce bottles that cost the equivalent of 25 cents, half the price of a bowl of cold, hand-pulled noodles topped with fried peanuts, jade-green spring onions, red chili oil, and white sugar. This colorful dish was a vibrant upgrade from the ramen brick penury of student teaching. Whatever hardships awaited in Sichuan province, bad food would not be one of them. The Peace Corps worker who had met my volunteer group of seven men and seven women at the Chengdu City Airport asked if we had any fears beyond contracting mental confusion. A few people did fret about the famously spicy cuisine. Others asked if their mail would be opened, but most were apprehensive about the squat toilets. Bus plunge, I said to laughter.